In the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes the son of men. His eyes examine them. The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked and those who love violence, his soul hates. On the wicked he will rain fiery coals and burning sulfur. A scorching wind will be their lot. For the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. Upright men will see his face. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are things that fill us with great joy and hope for the future. Uh, my own heart was lifted today and filled with joy and hope for the future, seeing Miata brought forward to, for baptism and joining, having come into the families of the Biswetheriks and, and, um, and Hingis family. Uh, we, we just, it was such a joy to see them brought together. Um, and yet, sadly, there are also things that actually discourage us and fill us with anxiety about the future. And um, I wonder if you ever despair about some of the things going on in our country, in our families, uh, even in our churches. Do you ever feel that the Christian foundations um, that underpin modern Western civilization, in fact, are crumbling? Any architect knows that uh, the structural foundations are essential in any building if the building is to survive long term. And any Christian architect, and we have a few in this building, um, may even add that uh, solid foundations are required not only in buildings but also in lives, that we ourselves need strong foundations in order to survive long term. Now, you may, you may remember the scandal of the eight tower blocks that were built in the city of Shanghai for workers. And they were completed in 2009. But before anyone could move into them, um, three of the eight tower blocks just fell over. This picture, in this picture, you can see what happened. And you can see the crowds across the river uh, contemplating those fallen buildings. And in the next picture, here you can see a picture that illustrates how bad foundations caused the buildings to collapse. And later it emerged that the contractors had taken shortcuts and ignored some of the basic rules about putting in solid foundations. And today that these pictures serve not only as an illustration of bad building, but also of the importance of solid foundations, both material and spiritual. The psalm, in the psalm we've just read, King David expresses his despair about what is happening to God's people in his time. It is thought that these words were written at a time when David's son Absalom um, had raised an army and was trying to take over his father's kingdom. 
You can read all about that in the second book of Samuel, chapter 15. As far as David was concerned, the foundations of his family life and the foundations of his national life of the God-centered nation were crumbling away. Now, this morning, I'd like us to spend a little time thinking about foundations and how David responded to his predicament. We'll also seek to answer the question about what, the question raised in, in, the, in the psalm, what should the righteous people do when the foundations crumble? And finally, we'll try to make some sense of Psalm 11 verse 5, where we're told that while God loves us, he, is, he can also hate. But first, let's pray. God, our Father, once again, we, as we open your word this morning, we ask that you will also open our ears and our hearts to receive anything that you may want to say to us personally. Amen. Jesus said, anyone who hears my words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Christians believe in a God who not only created us, but also provided us with solid, a solid foundation for living that would ensure our survival and our well-being. Yet mankind, again and again, became alienated from God through sin. So in every era, God sent his saints, his prophets, into the world to call his people back to himself. And that culminated with the coming of his own son, our Lord Jesus Christ. God's foundational instructions enshrined in the Bible were not put there to make our lives miserable or difficult, but to help us our lives to work better so that we could grow and become the men and women that God intended us to be. And when it comes to Christian foundations, we must never underestimate the positive influences that the Bible and Christian teaching has had on our society. We all know that Christian doctrine has been enshrined in our country's laws. We, we know that from school. The teachings of Jesus, such as the parable of the Good Samaritan and some of the other parables, have been an inspiration for social justice and human rights legislation and the welfare measures that many governments have introduced. Christian teachings on sexuality and marriage and family life, so often under attack these days, have historically played a key role in ending practices such as uh, human sacrifice, slavery, infanticide, and polygamy. The Christian principle safeguarding the sanctity of human life have had a tremendous influence they by condemning abominations such as the selective destruction in the womb of babies, particularly girl babies, for purely social and economic reasons. There are innumerable examples of how the Bible has laid foundations and contributed to our world and made our world a better place to live in. Yet today, we see that many so-called Christian countries are abandoning the very moral and ethical foundations upon which they were built. And all around us, you and I can see the fallout. 
And our psalm asks in verse 2, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? When David's world was falling apart, there were voices that said to him, flee, run away like a bird to the mountains. And when disaster strikes in our lives, we too may be tempted to run away and hide. But David already answered his question in the opening verse of the psalm. In verse 1 he says, In the Lord I take my refuge. In the final analysis, David's security and the security of every believer rests in the knowledge that there is a God who is over all and who reigns over all. That knowledge enabled David to stand firm and face both his personal demons and his adversaries. And then he rebuilt the foundations. And throughout history and in every generation, believers have been called to rebuild the broken foundations. In fact, much of the Bible is about repairing and rebuilding. Samuel reestablished the covenant. Ezra rebuilt the temple. Nehemiah rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. And in chapter 58 of his book, Isaiah proclaims the vocation of all believers, including you and me, when he prophesies, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairers of broken walls, restorer of, of streets and dwellings. Jesus said that he had come to seek and save the lost. In other words, he came to lay new foundations for broken lives. And every follower of Christ participates in that work of seeking and saving and rebuilding. But when we make a stand for Christian principles, we will inevitably suffer ridicule, abuse, and in some cases even persecution. At times, it may feel as if our foundations are being shaken, and we may be tempted to run, even to run from God, and to go back to a place that has brought us safe, safety and comfort in the past. When God's people suffer opposition, it isn't evidence of God's absence. It's the norm. In fact, in John chapter 15, we hear Jesus saying, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. So whatever may be happening around us, God is still in control. And he sees, he sees it all. So don't despair. In verse 4 of Psalm 11, it, it goes on to tell us that God examines every human life. The word examine is translated from a Greek word taken from a saying, precious metals. It means uh, testing and proving and refining uh, gold or silver and removing all the dross from it. And that brings us to God-hating. We are accustomed 
to hearing about an ever-forgiving God whose judgments are tempered by mercy, a soft God. We don't often hear about sin, and we find it difficult, perhaps, to grasp how much God hates sin. Yet the Bible shows us that he hates it in the same way as any mother or father of a small child would hate anything that threatens the life of that child. God hates evil and the satanic forces that would destroy the foundations and destroy the lives of the ones he loves. But our God is also a God of love and compassion and justice. But if you really think about it, he would not be loving or compassionate or just if he allowed persistent and unrepented evil and wickedness to go unpunished. When I first came to these verses, uh, I wanted to know what exactly God hates. And King Solomon, David's son, gives us an answer to that question, at least a partial answer, in the book of Proverbs. And there we read, These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven, are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. So we learn by that, those verses that God hates pride, he hates lies, he hates murder, perverse thinking, flagrant and shameless violation of his laws, and malicious gossip. Now, we haven't got time to look at all of those, but I'd just like, to, in ending, to focus on two of them, two things that God hates, the first two in the list. God hates pride. The Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. You've heard that before. It comes from Proverbs chapter 16. And we know that one kind of pride is that hubris that says, you know, I know better than God. My my ways, I, I make my own way. I do it my way, not God's way. But Jesus said that whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He says this in Matthew 23. The Gospels teach us that the way into the kingdom of God is a way of humility. The greatest act of humility in the history of the universe was when Jesus bowed, stooped to take his cross and to die upon it on Calvary. And before any of us can get to heaven, we must kneel at the foot of the cross and acknowledge that we are sinners and that acknowledge that we've broken the commandments of God and acknowledge that we need the grace of God in Christ because no one can come proudly to our Savior. And secondly, God hates lies. Every day, uh, you and I are subjected to fake news, this misleading advertisements and lies in many different forms, all of which are the, the products of lying hearts and lying lips. 
So where does lying come from? Well, Jesus gave an answer. To the liars of his day, he said, You belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. And not holding the truth, the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. The devil is often referred to, actually, as the father of lies. But Jesus is the truth. And he came to his own saying, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. So what are we to do? Well, we have all to a later, a greater or lesser extent been guilty of one, of one or more of the things that God hates. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans really rubs it in by saying, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. The word all means everybody. And the question of verse 3 in our psalm is, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Actually, there's very little that we can do, but there is something that God has done. Something that God did for us when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. If you do not yet know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then just receive him into your life. Don't delay it. He will come into your heart. He will transform you and he'll change your attitudes, change your sinful nature. Through his death on the cross, Christ purchased a new lease of life for all of us. He says, I have come that they might have life and have life, have it to the full. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful, faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to release, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is not just religious jargon, by the way. It has worked in my life. It's worked in the lives of many of my friends and people in this church. It's worked for my family. In our time, there are millions of people who have been transformed by the power of the gospel. And that same power of Christ can transform your life. No matter how ashamed or guilty you feel about things that you've done in the past, even if you've broken every one of God's commandments, God can forgive you today, right now, because Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. God hates evil, and he hates the forces that conspire to destroy us and to, 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 to destroy those that he loves. And he loves us with an infinite love. However, God will never thrust his salvation onto you. It is a gift, and you must receive it properly and with open arms, with open hands. It is freely received. You can receive Christ this very morning. And when you do so, he will forgive every sin that you've ever committed and give you new strength and new power to overcome 
the temptations and difficulties of life. But first, you must renounce your sins, confess them, and receive Christ into your heart. I wonder if you will do that today. If you do, you can ask one of us here to pray with you after the service, and God will change your life and use you to help him to repair the foundations of our broken world.